I think we're done. Let's just have the devil sit on attack. <laughs> That's it. Let's just let's let the devil sit on attack. Thank you so much for coming here today. It's been really good. No, it, what, a, what a great joy. Man, it's so good to see our kids up here. Uh, it's been a while, hasn't it? And there's nothing like our children just to bring out what I would say the joy of worshiping the Lord, right? Okay, I don't know what your picture of when you think about angels and what your picture is, but I, I wish we had time we could just go around and share. Maybe next time, Josh, that's what we could do is do a greeting, sharing. What, what's your picture of angels? And, and it's really hard for us because we really haven't seen an angel in its full glory or power. It's not to say that we haven't seen angels. Let me, let me point out this to you. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2, the Hebrew writer says, I want to encourage you to entertain strangers. And the reason for that is that some have entertained angels without even knowing that they were entertaining angels. But usually what happens with us is our angel pictures come down to about three different things. Number one, we have cute little baby angels. All right? The nice with the wings and everything like that. That's the baby angels. And then we have the angels that are like full of power and their shields and, their, and they look just mean and bad. And then we have the whispery cloud angels. And then we have the one I've never figured out stone angels. I've never figured that out. But it's even harder when we start thinking about Satan and a picture of him. Now, when we start thinking about Satan, here's what we usually come up with. We have the cute baby Satan. And then we have the comical baby. No, he's not a baby, but we have the comical Satan. And I was going to show you a gore Satan, but I love your kids too much, and it would have freaked them out. And here's what I believe is this. I believe Satan wants us to think of him in these areas, the comical or the cute or even the gore one. He wants us to think of him in these three areas. And here's the reason why. Because we know they're not real. They are just not real. As I reflected a little bit, I thought probably... Satan would look something more like this. And, and I know it's that way because in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2, it talks about he who is at work in the sons of disobedience. And I think if Satan were to look like anything, he would look more like this. Normal folk with a devilish intent. The preaching team has decided to do a series called Lies from the Angel of Lie. I want you to turn to your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians sorry, 11, and we're going to look at verse 13 and 14. This is the Genesis. Where are you getting this series that we're about ready to do? In 2 Corinthians 11, 13 and 14, it says, Such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And so what's happening here is these people who claim to be apostles of Christ are entering into the body of Christ and they're wreaking havoc on the body there and they're ruining the reputation of Paul. And then Paul makes this descriptive statement about Satan 
in the next verse. And no wonder, no wonder that we have apostles who are masquerading as, uh, as Christ apostles. And no wonder, watch this, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. And I begin to ask, what does it mean for Satan to masquerade as an angel of light? And it means this. It means that Satan can change his outward appearance to look good and to look right. He looks good and he looks right. Not only can he change his appearance to do that, but he actually takes teachings... And he can make them seem right, but their intent is always evil. And he may look good, and he may look right, but his intent is always evil. And that's what it means to masquerade. If you go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it talks about being changed. That's the metamorphosis. And the metamorphosis is this inside change moving out. When we're talking about masquerading, we're talking about this. We're talking about strictly an outward appearance. Satan looks like light, but inside is full of evil. And that's what it means to masquerade as an angel of light. So we're going to be examining some of the lies. We're going to be examining some of the lies from the angel of light. And so I thought it would be important today just to talk about our conflict with Satan. I thought it'd be important today for us to sort of get a glimpse of exactly who he is and how he works in preparation for our study. We are in a spiritual battle, brothers and sisters. We're in a spiritual battle. Now, we've won, but it's still a battle. We're in a battle, and I want to let you know our enemy, Satan, is a powerful foe. Let's not mistake ourselves. Our enemy, Satan, is a powerful foe. And then I want to end with some hope. I want to end with the idea of this, is there is hope in the midst of the lies from the angel of light. There's hope there. So let's start off. There's a battle raging, and we're in the middle of it. I don't know, and we don't know exactly when, because Scripture just doesn't tell us. We don't know when this battle really began. All we know is that before time began, before Garden of Eden, there was this battle that took place. And Satan was God's most beautiful creation. And what he did was this. He rebelled against God. And not only did he rebel against God, he grabbed some other angels and they rebelled against God. And this broke out into this war, this conflict in this spiritual realm. And we know who won. God won. God won the battle. But there's this imagery out of Revelation chapter 12 that's really interesting. So what happened to Satan? What happened to Satan after the defeat? And what we find in Revelation chapter 12 is, is that it says that Satan is thrown to the earth, and here's what happens. He is there to wage war against the offspring of God, those who hold to God's command and are hold on to the testimony of Jesus. Who is that? It's us. It's us. Christians, we're the ones that he's waging war against. And even though we can't see this heavenly battle, we need to understand that it is raging even to today. And so it's important as Christians to understand who Satan is and understand how he works. 
Chris reminded me in preaching team meeting, this, this is really a dark subject. It is really a dark subject. And some people might be going, well, Bill, why are we even talking about this today? And let me tell you why we're talking about this today. Number one, it's in the Bible. But number two, it is so important for us to understand our enemy. I found this quote by Sun Tzu, a famous Chinese general and military strategist. He says this, and I think it sets it right for why we need to study. If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the results of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory you gain, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. And for us, here's what it means today. It is so important we know who our identity. But it's also important to know the schemes of Satan. So what are they? What is? How does, how does Satan work? It's important for us to understand that. Well, I want to prove it to you this way. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 for just a second. All right? And look at verse 11. Why is it important for us to know our enemy? It's just it's so important. Now, in verse 10, it goes this, If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And I have forgiven. If there is anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. Now, here's what's going on. Paul's writing this letter to the Corinth church, and he's going, I want you to forgive the dude that you kicked out of the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want you to forgive him. And it's important that you forgive him, not just for forgiveness' sake. Watch this. He says, I want you to forgive... In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. And I looked up that word un- outwit, and it just means what it says. But it really says something like this Don't be dumb when it comes to knowing about Satan. Don't be dumb. When it comes to knowing about Satan. And if Paul would tell us that, if Paul says to us, listen, I don't want you to be dumb when it comes to understanding Satan, then it's important for us to understand how he works and what he does today. How does he work? It goes something like this He lies. That's why we're doing the series, right, Chris? He just lies. He's a liar. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 8. John 8. We're going to start in verse 42. In John 8, there is this unbelievable exchange between Jesus and the religious leaders of the day. And, And they're going around and they're saying something like this. We are the children of Abraham. And Jesus comes onto the scene and says, No, you're not the children of Abraham You are the children of Satan. Now, how would you like to wake up to that every morning? I mean, that's tough. That is a tough statement. You're not the children of Abraham. You are the children of Satan. And then he goes on to explain by what he means. And in this explanation, he also gives us insight to what Satan does. Verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil, 
and you want to carry out your father's desire. He is a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. My grandpa would have put it this way, there's not a lick of truth in him. There's not a lick of truth in him. Let's read on. For there's no tr truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. And watch this. For he is a liar and he is the follower, fa uh, father of lies. Satan, what he does, he is a liar. All he does is lie. And we see that throughout Scripture, don't we? We see it even in the garden. In the garden, Satan comes to Adam and Eve and goes, You ain't going to die. You are not going to die, liar. You're a liar. Or how about this one? Satan incites David in 1 Chronicles chapter 21. And here's what Satan does with David there. David... Here's what I want you to do. I want you to count your armies because you know that victory rests in the number of men you have and not in God. Liar. Liar. Or how about this one? Job. Satan before the throne of God. And he says to, he says to God, listen, the only reason that Job follows you is because you built this protective hedge around him liar. And then in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus just got through announcing again his mission and his purpose. And his mission and his purpose is to go to Jerusalem to die and to be raised again. And Peter pulls him aside and says something like this, Jesus, I wish you would tone down this cross talk. I wish you would stop talking about your death. You understand that you're sort of ruining this image and this picture that you're going to come back in this world leader and you're going to throw off Roman rule and we're going to be ruled. Jerusalem will rise from the ash heap and we'll be a nation again. I wish you would just tone down that. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. And he lies. He lies all the time and he continues to lie. How about this? It goes on today in many different forms and fashion. How about this one? Live your truth. Live your truth. Because that's all that really matters is just your truth. Or how about this one? You really, really don't need to go to church. As long as you have a relationship with Jesus Christ... That's all it counts. Church is full of hypocrites. Church is full of traditions. Church is, you don't need to go to church. You don't need to just have a relationship with Jesus. That's a lie. Or how about this one? God does just not want to hear from you anymore. And the reason he doesn't want to hear from you anymore is because he hasn't heard from you in a long, long time. You are such a horrible person. And you don't talk to God. What do you think God really wants to hear from you? Lie. Or how about this one? 
you've had a really bad past, which means you're condemned to a bad future. David, you ever hear that one? David's our counselor over there. There's a lot, but have you, you've heard that one, haven't you? You have had a bad past, and so you cannot have a good future. Or I like this one. The Bible according to Google. You cannot trust the Bible. I'm just sorry. It is just full of so many errors. I have, I have done a Google search on how horrible and inaccurate the Bible is. You just can't trust it. There's just a lot of stories in there you know just are not true, right? You know that, right? Lie. And he lies, and he lies, and he lies. And these lies produce something in us. It leads us somewhere. It leads us to blindness. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 real quick. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. We're going to start in verse 3. Get your Bibles out. Look at them. Hope you have them. Paul's going to write here and he's going to say, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, now watch this, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel, the glory of God, who is in the image of God. Now, I know the immediate context there is saying that Satan blinds the minds of those who are not Christian. But the principle still holds the same. He lies and he lies and he lies and he continues to lie so that we will be blinded and not see the truth. I looked up that word blinded there. It means something like this. It's the dulling of the intellect. It's the darkening of the mind. It's the idea of the blunting of the mental discernment. I always tell this, sin makes you stupid. Sin makes you stupid. And all through Scripture, there is this correlation. There's this correlation between between our thinking and our understanding and the work of Satan. There's always been this correlation. There's this correlation between what we think and the truth of that and what we understand the truth of that and the work of Satan. And it goes something like this. That's why Jesus always talked about this, about the parables. You know that phrase he uses? If you have hearers, let them hear. I mean, all that, he goes through. What is he saying? Jesus is saying this, I want your understanding I want your thinking to be right, because if you'll do that, it will minimize, it will alleviate the work of Satan in your life. He also says this, again, you think about the prayers of Paul, over and over again. It's like this repetitive prayer that Paul has, and he's always praying for this, that we be filled with knowledge, a spiritual wisdom, and understanding. Why, Paul? Because there's this huge correlation between our thinking and our understanding and the work of Satan. But the verse I really want you to pay attention to, turn to your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 20. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 20. Listen to this. We know also that the Son of God has come and given us, now watch the words here, because Lying leads to blindness, which impacts our understanding. 
We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know who is true. You see the contrast there? Who's false? Who's the liar? Satan. Who's true? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Now watch this. And we are in him who is true. Even in his son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. We must not believe the lives of Satan. Because when we believe the lives of Satan, it darkens our thinking and darkens our understanding. And the work of Satan ravages our life. Which leads me to this. The other aspect of this conflict with the angel of light. It's, understand, it's important for us to understand that Satan has one goal. He has one purpose for his existence. And it's always to ruin and to destroy destruction. It's always it. And even though there is victory in Jesus and victory in the cross, he continues to work day in and day out to ruin your faith, to destroy your faith. And there's verses that talk about this. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3, it says this. I want to let you know, I don't want you to be beguiled like Eve was. Don't be beguiled like Eve was in the garden. What I want you to do is I want you to, I don't want you to be seduced. I don't want you to be, I don't want the purity of your faith to go away. Because here's what happens. Satan leads us astray all the time, every time, anytime. He always leads us astray. Number two is this. He devours. And again, I wish I could show you the action of this word devour. It, it, it's more than just this snarling lion here. All right? It's, it's much more than that. It has the indication in the movement of this that Satan wants to come into our lives and he wants to eat us all up. He doesn't want a shred of spirituality left in you. He doesn't want an ounce of faith in you. And he will continue to gnaw and he will continue to eat until he eats us up, and that's what it means for him to devour us. And finally, it means this. He just wants to destroy. He just wants us to destroy. And he does it through lies. He does it to blindness. And that blindness eventually leads to our destruction. And here's what I want us to know about Satan is this. Satan doesn't take a day off. There is no day of rest for Satan. There's no day of rest. And I know we need days of rest, but there is no days of rest for Satan. Number two, it doesn't matter how old you are in the faith. He is always after you. And it doesn't matter if you're one day old in the faith or you're 50 or 60 or 70 years old in the faith. He still seeks to destroy, to lead astray, and to eat us up. And it doesn't matter what position you have in the body of Christ. It doesn't matter. 
Because all he wants to do is destroy. So that's the end of the sermon. I hope you're encouraged. We'll see you later next week. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Satan is after you. God bless. All right? No. <laughs> We're not going to end there. We are not going to end there. I, I want to end. I want to end with hope. I, I must tell you that we have a very, very powerful enemy in Satan. Let's not be naive about that, please. Let's not be naive about that. But I want to let you know, because of Jesus and the cross and the resurrection, we are more than what? Victorious. We are more than conquerors, right? We are more than conquerors. We're victorious. We're the, we're the triumphant because of Jesus Christ. And we have victory in the midst of this battle. And it was won at the cross, and it was won at the empty tomb. And I want to let you know that not only are we victors because of what Jesus did, but he has allowed us some wonderful tools to fight with. And the first one is this. We're victors because, guess what? We don't have to believe the lies. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And this is the good news. The good news is is that we don't have to believe the lie. We could say no to the lie. Watch these verses here. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 4 and 5. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive. We take captive every thought, and we make it obedient to Christ. We don't have to believe the lie. We could look at the lie because we're in Jesus, and we could identify the lie, and we could go something like this. That is a lie, and I'm not going to believe it. That is a lie, and I'm not going to believe that. But not only do we not have to believe the lies, but watch this. We have the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6 is this beautiful passage, and it says, now that you're in this spiritual battle, Paul understands this spiritual battle, and now that you're in this spiritual battle, here's what I want you to do. I want you to suit up. I want you to suit up for the day of evil. I want you to suit up, and he has all this, all this equipment that we could wear to protect us from Satan's flaming arrows. But you know what I love about this passage? It's not just all defensive. We have an offensive weapon also. You know what it is? It's this right here. It's this right here. We don't have to passively resist Satan. We could actually engage him with the sword of the Spirit. Here's our offensive weapon. And then finally is this. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 4, 4, it says this. We are victors because we have something greater in us than even is out there in the world. And that is our faith. Our faith is greater than any lie out there. It's greater than any lie that Satan could throw against us. And I know what you might be thinking. You might be going, 
Bill, you don't understand. Right now is not a good time in my faith journey. It's just not a good time in my faith journey. And let me just tell you this. If you have faith, it's enough. If you have faith, it is enough. It's enough. It's enough. And then there's not even a slide for this one because I thought of it this morning. And that is this. You go to Hebrews chapter 12. Not only are we victors because of the, we don't have to believe the lies and we have God's protection and that we have our faith. But watch this. In Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2, there's this imagery here of us running this race. And all around us in this huge stadium are the people who have gone before us who have been victorious over the lies of Satan. And they're calling out. They're going, keep going. Keep running. You could overcome. You could overcome. And up there in the stands, think of the the faithful ones that have gone on before us. And they're screaming down to us as we're running this race. Keep running. Keep running. Don't believe the lies. You could do this. And someday, as we resist Satan and his lies, we will join that crowd and we'll call down to our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, keep running, keep running. You don't have to believe the lies. Satan is powerful. And let's not be naive about that. Let's not, as we said earlier, let's not be dumb about that. Let's not be dumb about that. But i got to let you know is this. We serve a victorious God. Amen? We have the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And we don't have to believe the lies from the angel of light. Today the invitation is simple. It's two things. Number one is this. We want you to be released from the angel of light. The deceptive power of the angel of light. And you could do that when you're baptized into Jesus Christ. Your sins are forgiven and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But the second invitation comes with this. If you believe the lies and you need our help, let me just tell you, we will walk with you through this battle. I promise you, we will walk through with you through this battle. As we battle together, lies from the angel of light. Let's stand and sing.